This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Extend a special welcome to all of our family and friends this morning who are here visiting with us. So we put a task before the congregation, and the task was, hey, make sure you invite a friend or a family member today and bring them on out. And by the looks of uh, the new faces that I see, our congregation did just that. So thank you so much for putting forth that effort. And to our visitors, you are our honored guests. We want you to know that, and we're going to ask you to do us a favor. We mentioned it about three times, but here's the fourth. There's a card in the back of your pew. Take that out, fill it out so that we can have a record of your attendance. You can give that card to me or put it in the box uh, because we want to invite you back out to this church and get you plugged in because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Amen. <laughs> oh, well, this month, you know, we've been working through a sermon series entitled, What Are Followers? And during this series, we've been taking an in-depth look at what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ. And in part one, which was about three weeks ago, we said that followers are disciples, and disciples are both students and imitators of Jesus, right? So that was part one. And in part two, which was last week, we stated that followers of Christ are also ambassadors. And we spent time thinking through what an ambassador was and what an NBC is and our call to be ambassadors in the world today. And uh, we talked about our mission of interacting with culture in order to share the good news of Jesus. And today, in part three, ignore what it says in the bulletin, by the way, we are, we are talking about worship today. So it's my job to do a spell check and make sure everything's right in the bulletin. So as you can see, I didn't do a very good job with that. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about family. But this this morning, we are talking about worship. As followers, we are called to be worshipers. Go to this first slide. So disciples, ambassadors, and this morning, I want to let you know that followers of Jesus Christ are worshipers, are worshipers. So I want to spend some time really fleshing this out. What is, what is worship all about? Why do we come together on Sunday morning to, to do this? What what is worship, right? Because I think there are so many different uh, definitions on what worship is and how worship is supposed to look. And there's a lot of confusion out there this morning on, on what it means to truly worship the Lord. So, so today, bear with me as we work through this material together. And I want to give you real quick a working definition of what worship is, right? So by definition, worship is the act of offering reverence to a divine being or supernatural power, to offer reverence to a divine being or supernatural power. Secondary definition, the reverent love and devotion offered to a deity, an idol, or a sacred object, the act of offering. Our first passage this morning is found in Genesis chapter 22, verses 4 and 5. And the scripture says here, On the third day Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to 
you. You know, in both definitions that I read, that I gave you of the term worship, in both definitions, you notice the word offering was used. And I appreciate that the word offering was used because the very first time that we see the word worship used in the Bible, it's in connection with this great offering story. And you all know this story very well, right? Abraham and Sarah were well advanced in years and in age, and and they wanted to conceive, but they couldn't have a child. So the Lord said to Sarah, guess what, Sarah? You're going to have a baby. And remember what she did, right? (laughs) And because of that, her child was named Isaac, right? Laughter. He laughs. She laughs, right? You're not going to be able to do that because you're so old is what she's thinking in her head. But the Lord said, you are going to have a child, and that child is going to be a special child child. And lo and behold, over the course of time, Sarah was able to have her child. And then God said to Abraham and to Sarah, now what I want you to do is take that child that I just gave you and offer him as a sacrifice. Now, that's a problem, isn't it? There's some theological things there that might seem problematic and and weird and, and different, but that's what God commanded of Abraham, go take this child and to go offer him as a sacrifice. And then we see this term that's highlighted in red, worship. The first thing that I want you to know about worship this morning, church, is that worship is an offering to the Lord. So if you highlight that and write that down, remember that worship is an offering to the Lord. And worship shows how much we love and respect him. And followers of Jesus Christ are called to be worshipers and worshipers of the Most High God. John chapter 4 verses 23 and 24 says this. Now, this is a classic passage of scripture for us good Church of Christ folk, right? Those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Read this with me together. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, we use this, this, this passage all the time. We throw it out there, right? We use it all the time. God is the Spirit. We must worship Him in the Spirit and in truth. Now, now, what does this even mean, right? What are we talking about worshiping God in spirit and in truth? How, how do you do that? Well, contextually, if you look at the history of this passage, you know that Jesus was conducting His public ministry, and the Scripture says that Jesus was tired. So He went over to draw some water from a well. And he sat down at this well, and the scripture said he had an encounter with a Samaritan woman at a well. Now, many of us are thinking, okay, well, Jesus had encountered with plenty of people. That's not out of the ordinary. That's not difficult to understand. But there were some things here that were just not acceptable. You see, Samaritans were looked down upon because of their ethnicity, Because of their culture, because of their race, they were treated as second-class citizens and pagans religiously. Although many of them were adherents to the Jewish faith, it was taboo to interact as a Jewish person with a Samaritan. 
And on top of that, a Samaritan woman. You just don't do that, Jesus. So Jesus has this encounter, and the woman was confused, as the Scripture says, about what worship was. And I think today a lot of people are just simply plain confused about what worship is. So Jesus had to correct her theology when it came to worship. You see, this woman assumed that worship took place at the temple in Jerusalem, and then God, through Jesus Christ, communicates this verse to her. God is a spirit. And if you can define what that means or understand what that means, what would you say this morning? God is a spirit. What does that mean to you all, right? God is a spirit. Well, that means that he is omni-what? Present. That means God is everywhere, which means that worship is not confined to a building or to a temple or to a structure, but God is everywhere. What does it mean to worship him in truth? Well, if you think about it, if you look back at the Old Testament, God became sick of the sacrifices and the ceremonies of the Jewish people that were supposed to be followers of him. If you read through the, uh, the, the major and minor prophets, as many of you are now, God was, was, was sick of their ceremonies and their sacrifices and their feasts. Well, why did he become sick when he actually instituted the, the practices? Well, the scripture says he became sick because their hearts weren't in the right place. They would just go through the motions because that's what they were supposed to do. So I'm going to go get a dove, I'm going to go to get a lamb, sacrifice it, give it to the priest and do this custom and this ritual, and then I'm going to go on and live a life contrary to the will of God. But I feel good because I went and worshipped. So what it means to worship in spirit and in truth, in truth it means with all your heart in the correct way and not going through the motions of worship which we do often, don't we, church? This is what we do, and it becomes repetitive, and it loses something. And that's why the Lord said, when you worship, you must worship me in spirit and in truth without just going through the motion. So this morning, I want to give you some practical things. So if this is your first time coming to a church of Christ, hopefully you're not saying this is weird, right? Because some people do, right? Because this is not what you see normally, especially down in this region, right? So I want to give you a couple of things that we do practically in worship to help you understand why we do what we do. If you're a good Church of Christ person, you know the five acts of worship, don't you, right? You, you grew up knowing those things, and you can write, recite them, and some of you can even do it right now, right? Singing, praying, giving, listening to God's Word, so forth and so on. So you know the five acts of worship. Communion, right? So the question that we need to pose this morning practically is, is how do we worship God today? Well, the first thing that we need to realize is in that worshiping God, uh, one, one practice that we're called to do is to sing. And through this, this, this gift of singing, we offer encouragement to one another. Weren't you encouraged this morning as Brother Cornelius led us in worship? Weren't you encouraged, right? But guess what? It wasn't for you. <laughs> right? It's for the Lord. But in that process of offering praise to God, we were all encouraged. So it functions as a dual purpose. We offer encouragement to one another and praise to God. The scripture says in Ephesians 5, 19, 
Sing to one another, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual song, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. So as we sing, it's encouraging to one another, but it's directed to the Lord. But let me tell you this, singing in the Church of Christ is, is tough, isn't it? Because many of you, maybe if you're not familiar with the Churches of Christ, you've been to Christian churches or other faith experiences, and they have a big praise team and a band, and it looks like a, a concert, Right? And those people up there are really good, aren't they? They're amazing. And then you walk into the Church of Christ and you're like, whoa, what is this all about? This is just totally different. And then in the Church of Christ, if you grew up the way I did, you know some people aren't the best singers, amen? (laughs) I'm just saying, isn't that true? Can we be real this morning for a moment? Not everybody is the best singer. There might be some some tone-deaf people in our midst but that's okay. You know, it reminds me of when I was at my old church in uh, Sacramento. We had this sister, uh, and she may watch on live stream, so I'm not going to mention her name. But uh, she thought in her mind that she was an opera singer, you know. And whenever we would come together to church, she felt the need to sing louder than anybody and in a key that is unrecognizable by the human ear. And there was this one song that we used to always lead, and everybody knew that this sister was going to hit that note, right? And I think the song was, uh, I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today, right? And then there's this one section in that song where it goes, he lives. And we knew when that part of the song was going to come up, our dear sister was going to hit that note, right? And she would hit it every single time. And when we had visitors in our midst, people would be like, what in the world? is that, right? But the interesting thing about that whole experience is, was her worship any better than anybody else's worship or or any worse than anybody else's worship? Just because she couldn't sing and she might have been tone deaf? Was her worship less important or better than than someone with the greatest voice? In our human minds, we would say, yeah, that's not great, but God is going, I love it all. I love it all. I don't care if you can't sing a lick. I love it, right? And that's the type of God that we serve. So when you come to our church, we expect you to sing. And if you can't, don't worry. Just sing loud and just do something because God is pleased when you do that. And that's what's uniquely different about our fellowship. You come and you sing and God is pleased with your offering, even though it might not be the greatest. And it's okay to say that. God is pleased with that. Another thing that we do in, in, in uh, how we operate in worship is, is we do praying, right? In whatever uh, church you go to, you always see prayer instituted. So we're not much different than many other churches in that sense, but we pray. And through prayer, what we're doing is we're offering up thanks and praise to God. So there's an offering again. We're offering our voices through singing. We're offering our praise and thanks to God through prayer. And that's why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus starts off by saying, this is how you pray. And he says, first say this, our Father who art in heaven, give me some money because I'm broke right now. My mama's sick. I, I, I can't pay the bills. I need get. That's not the way it starts, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So that through this avenue of prayer, we're able to give the Lord praise. And I wonder how many of us really do that in our prayers. Lord, you are just amazing. 
Thank you for all you've done in my life. Thank you for my family. Thank you for, my, thank you, for you just being you. And we need to utilize that more in our lives of prayer. We open up our hearts to God through prayer. What else do we do? Well, in the Church of Christ, we take communion every single Sunday. And let me tell you why that's so special, right? Because every single week, we get to remember the Lord's sacrifice on our behalf. And we do that collectively through the bread and through the wine. And we sit and we partake of this communion process and our minds are directed. We offer up our thoughts and our thanksgiving to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and the Father through the great sacrifice for the great sacrifice that he made on our behalf by, by dying on the cross. And, and that might be different for many of you. We take the Lord's Supper every single week because we say it's that important to remember the Lord every single week. So if you're from another faith tradition that doesn't practice that, I would say, y'all might as well come on over here and place membership. And uh, we do that every week. And I guarantee you it would be beneficial for you in your relationship with the Lord. What else? We collect offerings. Oh, here we go. Or tithes. But we don't like to use that word, right? We, we offer our money to the Lord. You know, God has always required us to give back to him as a form of worship. Even from the very beginning in the Old Testament, we're called to give back from our resources. And churches get bad raps when it comes to their use of money, right? Some people say, well, I'm not giving to the church because the pastor gets all the money, right? He gets all the money. The preacher gets all the money. And most of us who have been preachers, you're like, yeah, right. Right? Or, or, or the money is being used incorrectly, so I, I can't really give in that way. I don't want to do that, but when you give, that's an offering. That's a form of worship to the Lord. So when you open up your wallet or you write that check and you drop it into the basket, the Lord is pleased with you because you gave him an offering, right? And that offering is very important. And the Bible never says, God never says, you worry about how that money is being used. Once you give it now, you, you worry about that. Now the scripture says you just give. You just give. It's offering. And then lastly, what else do we do? Well, we listen to God's word. Did you not know that's a form of worship? What you're doing right now, if you're awake and you're not asleep, <laughs> and you're giving me your undivided attention, it's not me, you're giving it to the Lord. What you're saying is I'm focusing right now, I'm giving all my attention and having my ears open, I'm offering, I'm offering undivided attention to accepting God's word. And God right now, if you're listening and, and hearing and processing, God is pleased with you right now because you're giving him undivided attention as he uses this vessel, this short guy before you today. And that's all I am. I'm just a vessel. You know, and a lot of people say, shouldn't the preacher and the song leader and the worship, shouldn't the preacher be amazing and if the preacher is not amazing, I can't go to that church because I'm not getting anything out of the message. Now, I will agree that sometimes it's more difficult than others based upon the preachers, right? Because we've all been to congregations where some preachers are monotone and they kind of dry and sleepy, right? And then your other churches where the preacher, all they do is yell the entire time. And you're like, I can't get... So I understand but whatever vessel God is using, you should be able to get something out of that vessel. Amen? So when the word is being preached, your worship is to give your undivided attention 
to what God is communicating to you through the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes we don't do that because we say we're just bored, right? Or I didn't get anything out of it. As we close this morning, I want to give you a couple of misconceptions about worship that I think need to be corrected, amen? The first thing is that worship, if you're really worshiping the Lord, worship has to take place in the church building, right? And don't we use that language? We're going to church. We're, we're going to church, right? That, that just that doesn't resonate. It doesn't make sense to go to church because you are the church, amen? How can you go somewhere when you are that something or that somewhere, if that makes sense? You can't do it. It doesn't work. We're not going to church. We are the church. We're going to the building that is made up of nothing but brick and mortar. Amen? This place is not any more special than any other place. All it is is a building. But I don't know how we, we all of a sudden just get extra religious when we walk into the church building, don't we? As soon as we step in, we're like, ah, the Lord is in this place. Let's all whisper. This place is not any more sacred than any other place where God's people are gathered together. But somehow we, we, we think in those terms that, you know, once I step in, everything is going to change and we have to act a certain way. Hello, brother. Hello, sister. No, it's just a building made up of brick and mortar. There's nothing special about this. Nothing, right? Worship is not confined to a church building. Here's another myth that I want you to think through. Some people say that worship should be an experience of uncontrollable emotion. Have you heard that one before? If you're really worshiping God, you're going to cry at every single song that that worship leader leads. And you guys have seen that, right? And if they're not crying, people are going, what's going on here? Everybody should be crying, right? Or in some churches, if you're quiet and you're not praising God, let's go. Something's wrong with you, right? Because worship should be a space of uncontrollable emotion. That's, that's a misconception. So if I'm not touched emotionally, I must not be worshiping. That's not necessarily the case. I think that's a misconception. And sometimes, you know, worship is somber, isn't it? And reflective. Sometimes it is very emotional. But it's a misconception to think that, you know, if you come to this church and you don't see high emotion, that this place is not filled with the Spirit. That's incorrect. And then lastly, the music at the church and the sermon should be really, really great. And if it's not really great, I can't worship at that church. What we need to realize again from the beginning is that worship is an offering to God. It's not to fulfill us. Because if you're waiting to come to church on a Sunday morning to be filled up, you must be starving during the week, right? What worship is, is it's a celebration with your brothers and sisters. That's all it is. You come together and we encourage one another. Let's, we, we say, let's come together and let's tackle the mission of the church in the world. That's what worship is for. Let's worship God together and then let's go out and do mission. But if you're coming to church and saying, you know what, I want my, my needs to be met by coming to church, I understand that, and I think one side, there is nothing wrong with that. I hope you come and your needs are being met through the worship service and the sermon. But I would say there might be a deeper problem there. Maybe you're not getting your needs met during the week, maybe because you hadn't been in the Word as you should. Maybe because you hadn't been praying as you should. Maybe because you hadn't been serving as you should. 
That's just a thought, one of those misconceptions. I want to close with a couple of more passages of Scripture. But before I say that, I want to say this and just make it clear. This is your first time at the Churches of Christ. Um, our leaders are here not to entertain you. That's not the goal, right? We're not here to entertain you and to wow you. But we just want to give you the word purely and plainly and simply. Um, and as humans, I understand we need emotional connectedness sometimes. So it makes sense, but I think balance is the key. Balance is the key. Acts chapter 16, verses 23 through 25. Uh, an example of worship that I think is just so profound. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. You get this passage? They weren't in a nice, comfy church building worship experience. The scripture said they were in prison. And they had just received a beating and a flogging. And they were there worshiping. Powerful passage of scripture. So I want to say to you this morning, worship can take place any place and anywhere. And I think it shows a level of spiritual maturity when you can worship even in conditions and situations like this. But sometimes we want our worship services and experiences to be, to be grandiose and, and just perfect. But they were in prison around some smelly prisoners in chains. And they say, you know what? Let's pray right now and let's worship God. Sometimes those are the greatest worship experiences, aren't they? When they're in difficult places and difficult situations and difficult moments and you offer up prayers and thanksgiving to God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Therefore... Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. When it comes to worship, we are called to be thankful no matter what condition or circumstance we're in. So when we come together this morning, sometimes you'll hear some of our leaders say, aren't you just thankful to be here? And the response is, yes, I'm just thankful to be alive that I'm on this side of the ground, right? That I have some milk in my refrigerator, that I have gas in my car, and that I am alive and have health and my mind is, is, is secure. I can function my family as well. You ought to just be thankful for that. So when you come to worship, there is so much to be thankful for. And you remember what happened to the children of Israel when they complained about everything, right? Yeah. So we've got to learn to be thankful in all circumstances and situations, and that's true worship. And then lastly, I want to leave you with this verse. Psalm 100 says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God, and it is he who made us. We are his we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Nowhere do I see me. Unless I'm just reading it wrong. 
or I. It's all about Him. So I think sometimes we need to adjust our thinking and make sure we're in that place. This is all about Him this morning. All about Him. And I hope that your prayers and your worship has been acceptable and pleasing to Him because that's why we're here. So what's the personal challenge? What challenge do I want to leave you with as, as we close this morning? Uh, number one is be comfortable with different worship experiences, okay? So this morning, maybe you, some of you have, have uh, got to experience a different worship experience. Cornelius is not what you're used to, amen, right? Some of you guys are going, oh my goodness, <laughs> wow, <laughs> right? But that's okay. Be open to different worship experiences. It's great, right? Don't just say it has to be this way and it's supposed to look this way. No, people do it much differently in different parts of the country, different regions, and that's okay. Be open to it. Be open to it. So that's one challenge that I want to leave you with. Be open to different worship experiences and expressions of worship. It will bless your life tremendously. But I know some people that are just so rigid that they... If, if we go out of the norm just a little bit, oh my goodness, right? I told you about the guy at my previous church where the preacher preached 32 minutes, right? The sermon was supposed to be 30, but he went 32. And then the song leader got up and led just as I am. He led 22 verses of that song, right? And that wasn't the norm in our worship assembly. So this guy got up and turned the air conditioning off in the church building. It was 100 degrees outside, but he turned the AC off. To, to, to get rid, because this is not what you do, right? We've got to be comfortable with, with just going with the flow, experiencing different worship experiences. Here's another one. Don't worry about the person next to you, amen? Am I right about it? Don't worry about the person next to you. And that's hard for us sometimes. <laughs> so Mary and I went to a church one time, and, uh, you know, we're, like I said, good Church of Christ folks, and we went to this church, and it was a community church, and as we walked into the church, um, there was a lady with a tambourine, right? And I said, okay, tambourine, you know, all right. And then she proceeded to do praise dance down the aisle in the church building, and she was ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I mean, she really was ding, 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 ding. I was so distracted that I got up and left. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, that was distracting. I couldn't focus on God, that she was all wrong, that was terrible. And then I thought to myself, should I be worried about her and what she's doing? Or should I just focus on my relationship with the Lord right now and not worry about what the person next to me is doing? And I learned a valuable lesson that day. Now, the tambourine was a bit much, okay, because it was kind of loud, but... All I'm trying to say this morning is don't worry about the person next to you. If they're raising their hands or if they stand up or if they say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, don't go, oh, wow, right? Or in other contexts, if the person is somber and she's quiet, leave them alone. Don't pat them on the shoulder. Get, come on now. Let's, let's worship. Right, right. Leave them alone. Don't worry about the person next to you. Worry about your relationship with the Lord. And I tell you what, if you... If you think in those terms, your, your worship experience will be amazing and you'll be able to worship any and everywhere. And that's what the Lord has put on my heart to share with you this morning. It's not about us. It's all about Him. And if we can remember that, He'll be pleased and our lives will be blessed.
So as I conclude this morning, the question is, are you worshiping as you should? If not, this invitation is for you. We invite you to come forward. The church will pray with you and pray for you, saying, you know what? I, I hadn't been worshiping as I should. I had this idea of what worship looked like, and now, you know, I'm realizing that I wasn't in the correct place. Or maybe this morning, for some reason, you're not a Christian. The question I have for you is, why aren't you a Christian? It's the greatest, greatest experience, the greatest relationship that you could ever have. So why aren't you a Christian this morning? God is amazing. And guess what? When you become a Christian, all of a sudden your, your family grows exponentially, doesn't it? You have brothers and sisters everywhere that will pray for you, encourage you, build you up. And most importantly, you'll be able to go to heaven. So this morning, if you're not a Christian, why not? We want to give you the opportunity to become a Christian today. So as Cornelius is leading us in our closing song, if you want to come forward and have us pray for you or pray with you, or if you want to come and be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins, to be added to the church, whatever your needs and concerns are, we want to make sure we address those this morning. So this morning, as we conclude with this song, if there is anyone here that has a need, please, please come forward together while we stand.